Feels like I've been away for like eight months. How's everybody doing? We're doing great. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you to Wesley for disturbing our family for the last three weeks. No, I'm teasing. No, we had, we've, we're doing great. Thanks for all you that uh, just reached out to us and been praying for us. We, we, we appreciate it. Actually, t- today, this Sunday, we celebrate our 21st year, Kathleen and our family, at Living Word. This is the Sunday we first came 21 years ago. And I don't think, I, I was thinking back, Kathleen, I don't know if we've ever missed two Sundays in a row, maybe maybe once, I, I, I don't know. So it, it feels like it's been so long. And thank you for those of you that are joining us online. We're just so glad to be here. And, and we've been looking at uh, Jesus and the Psalms. And what I want to do for the next three weeks is I want to look at Jesus as the Messiah and what that means for every single one of us. And there's a reason why Jesus came to earth. There's a reason why we celebrate Christ during this this Christmas season. Isn't it wonderful just to stop for a while and just reflect on why Jesus came? This, this Advent season, I think it's important for us that we understand the coming of Christ. And we understand that when Jesus first came, it's his first Advent, we understand that he's coming back again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But I think it's, it's good for us to stop as the body of Christ and reflect on why Jesus came and to, and to prepare our hearts uh, for that and to understand the impact that Jesus coming to this earth has on each and every one of us and, and for our world today. Doesn't our world today need that message? I mean, I don't know if there's a time where we just so desperately need the message of hope and why Jesus came to this earth and why he is the Messiah of the world. It's interesting, maybe you've been asked this question. People that that maybe questioned Christianity or questioned the authenticity of Jesus and why he came. A common question for those looking into the belief of Christianity is really the authenticity of Jesus. Is Jesus really who he says he is? What makes Jesus different from any other religious figure that walked on the face of the earth? Why, why are we celebrating Jesus? Why do we believe that Jesus is God and that he is Messiah. And, and we know that through Jesus' life here on earth that he authenticated his Messiahship and his divinity through his miracles, through his death, through his resurrection. We look back and we can see that. But what I want you to see over the next couple of weeks is how scripture authenticates, how prophecy authenticates the person of Jesus Christ that the person we worshiped here today and the reason why we come together as a church to worship Jesus Christ, scriptures authenticate that he indeed is the son of God, that he is different, that he's just not another prophet or another great religious teacher, but that he actually is God. And there's a purpose for Jesus coming to earth as the Messiah. And I want to dig into that over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to specifically look at some messianic prophecies in the book of Psalms and how it authenticates the person of Jesus Christ. So is he the Messiah that would come into the world to rescue us? And can it be proved? And if this is true, then how many know everything changes? If Jesus is who he says he is, 
then everything changes. And so we've been looking at the book of Psalms and how it connects to Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to understand as we dive into this Christmas season, understand how Jesus fulfilled scriptures. And Jesus fulfilled prophecy. And for those who were waiting for the Messiah, this would be a key component in authenticating Jesus as Messiah. Did he actually fulfill Old Testament prophecy? So our celebrating of Christmas is all about God coming to earth. It's all about God coming in the form of man. And we believe in the incarnation of Jesus which is God in human flesh, Jesus being fully God and fully man. This is incredible to me, that God himself would come from heaven and choose to live here. Choose to live within all our mess. This is what, can I just say why I love, I just love Jesus. I don't know about you guys, I just love Jesus. Here's what I love about Jesus. What I love about Jesus is that God chose to live amongst our mess. Aren't we messy? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. Just, just say it. Yeah, let's, okay, back it off, couples, okay? Let's uh, back it off just a little bit. But listen, we, this earth is messy. Can I get an amen? Let's just have a counseling session, just you and I here this morning, everybody watching online, just you and I talking about it this morning. We're, we're messy, and the reason why we're messy is because of sin, The reason why Jesus came as Messiah was to rescue us. And how many of you know we need rescuing? And so we live in a messy world and God chose to come into this messy world and live and dwell among us so that he could relate to you. You, Listen, listen. You have a savior who relates to you who understands and can sympathize and empathize with everything that you're going through because he went through it. Jesus understands what it means to be rejected. Jesus understands what it means to be mocked. Jesus understands what it means to be misunderstood. He has gone through everything that we've gone through yet without sin. We have a perfect savior in every way. And what we're going to see through these Old Testament prophecies. And I hope, I hope you guys are, um, Pastor Brandon and I are doing a 25-day countdown to Christmas. We're doing these two to three minute devotionals every day. I hope more than three of you watch it. But um, check, it, <laughs> check it out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to just get a devotional every morning, um, we're doing a 25-day countdown. And we spent a whole week just in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 looking at all the characteristics of Jesus being uh, as the Messiah. So make sure you check that out, and I hope more than four of you watch it. So just check it out. We are enjoy doing that and just preparing our hearts for this Christmas season. Look at John. I want us to look at John because he, he explains in John's gospel uh, God coming to dwell among us. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so we have seen his what? We have seen his glory. God chose to display his glory among us by living among us. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. God becoming man means we can know him and that he can meet all our needs. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, which explains how Jesus can relate to us as Messiah and as Lord and as the God of the universe. Listen to what uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest 
who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, home, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so this gives us the confidence to do what? Through Christ Jesus, we can now approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence, not confidence in myself because we, we already got it straight that we're all messy. So it's not, it's not in my confidence in what I've accomplished, but it's in what Christ has already done for us. That changes everything. Jesus changes our relationship with the God of the universe that I no longer have to fear as I come before his presence. Think about it for a moment. When you would come before a king, or really, you just didn't haphazardly come before a king. Why? Because he would have the power of life and death over you. And so now before the God of the universe, we can have confidence, not because of what I've done, but we can now have confidence because of what Christ has done for us. He bridged the gap for you and I. So it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what God does is he sends his son to bridge that gap. He becomes our mediator. He becomes our go-between that we can now come before, before God through Jesus Christ because he's cleansed us. And so what God does for us through our faith in Christ Jesus, he imputes the righteousness of Christ in our lives, which we can't obtain in our own or through our own good works. But now through Jesus Christ the Messiah, we can come into God's presence with confidence. Man, this is, isn't that is such good news for those of us who feel inadequate, for those of us who feel like our lives never have measured up, who feel like we're never good enough? Have you ever felt that way in Christian circles? You, you get around some other Christians and you feel like, man, I, I, they're so good and I'm so bad. Have you ever felt that way? Or maybe you, just the opposite. You look at other people and say, I feel so good about myself because they're so bad, right? And we, can, we get in that comparison trap. Well, Jesus blows all that out of the water. And so when we come before the Lord, we're all in the same playing field. And so what Jesus does for us is he gives us, he gives confidence to those who have no confidence. What Jesus does for those who feel insecure, for those that feel like they never measure up, for those who feel like they could never please God, through Christ Jesus, he gives us that confidence. And for those who are too big for our bridges, he humbles us, <laughs> right? He humbles us and says, it's not by your, your works, your good works could never compare to a holy God. And so for the weak and those that feel like they can never measure up, God gives us grace. And for those who feel too big for their britches, I don't know, that's an old saying. I'm sorry I said that. I don't know what else to say. For those who, who think they're just too big for themselves, who think they're all that, God humbles them, doesn't he, through his son, Jesus Christ. And we all come to him, through, to God, through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes for us. He comes to satisfy the righteous demands of God which we could not meet because of our sin. And so what Jesus does is he takes the wrath of God for us. And what we do is when we are in Christ Jesus, we literally hide in him. When we find ourselves in Christ Jesus, we are now shielded from the wrath of God that was pointed to us because of our sin. And through our faith in Christ Jesus, we now hide ourselves in Christ Jesus and we are protected from the judgment of God because we've put our faith 
in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he's the one that sanctifies us. He's the one that makes us right. It's all through Christ. So Jesus' sacrifice should never be taken lightly. That's why I love when we take communion together as a church. Isn't communion a beautiful thing? That when we come together, we recognize the great sacrifice that Jesus paid for our sins. And, and Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me and what I've accomplished for you. What a, what a love act that Jesus did for you and I, and we didn't deserve it or merit it. So without the cross, we could not find forgiveness for our sins. So Jesus coming to earth is the most incredible thing to have ever happened to mankind. And so this, was, this is what Jesus does for us. And, and it, when we look at this um, Christmas season, I want us to look at a couple of things, but I want us to understand that everything about Christmas is actually joyous. Everything about Christmas is joyous, isn't it? I mean, listen, if you're, listen, listen, if you're in the store and you hear joy to the world come over the, the sound system, just sing joy to the world. Just start singing it. Let people think you're crazy. Just start spreading that joy, right? Um, they may think you're crazy, but that's okay because we are crazy for Jesus, all right? That's okay. But there should be a joy. This should be the most joyous uh, season because of this, because Jesus brings us good news of God's forgiveness to man. It's all about forgiveness. This is the good news. That Jesus comes to do something for you and I that we can't do for ourselves. And so what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is just recognize why the gospel is good news. Why Jesus being the Messiah and bringing that good news changes everything for you and I. What I want to do is I would just want to, I want to show you a quick video clip from a ministry called the Bible Project. And if you guys have, haven't heard of this ministry, it's great. You could just go to BibleProject.com. They do such a wonderful job just explaining the Bible, these scholars explaining the Bible. And they do a lot of it through just, uh, just through video and, and what you'll see here today, this quick three-minute, four-minute video on what the gospel means. So if, if you can listen to their podcast or check them out on YouTube. I would just highly recommend you checking out the Bible Project. I know you'll be blessed by that and learn a lot more about the Bible and its, and its meaning. So I just want to show you a quick uh, just four-minute video clip here of what the gospel means. Why is the Christmas season all about the good news? So just take a second and look at the screens at this time. If you know any Christians, or if you happen to be one, you've probably heard the word gospel as a kind of summary of Christian belief, connected to phrases like, God loves you, or Jesus died for your sins. But over time, religious words like gospel can lose their power and meaning by becoming too familiar. So, let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. Eu means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger, Biser, that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings, whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. 
This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so, when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel when he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom. Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the euangelion, that all authority in heaven on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus' followers also shared the good news by simply talking about it. This is why Peter and Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila, traveled all around sharing the royal announcement. While it might look like the rulers of our world are in charge and can do whatever they want, the good news is that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, the real king of all creation. And in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. It's where the real leaders are the servants, because the last are first, and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed and the homeless are welcome, because love is the most powerful reality of God's kingdom. And this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy when you first hear it, but something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. That's when this gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. Amen. Isn't it the best news you've ever heard? Amen. I, I remember, you, you know, I don't know for you how it worked for you, but when you heard the message of Christ and what he did it, it, and the gospel message, I can remember being, you know, 16 years old and hearing that message preached and then, and, and then just bowing my knee to the lordship of, of Jesus Christ. What what changed for me, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but what's so unique about this good news is that it changes everything about you. It really does. It's not just, you know, for me, you know, I'm, my parents did a great job raising us in church. We went, we went to church and went to Sunday school, but it was, you know, growing up is like a religious thing, right? You just, you did it because, you know, I remember asking my mom, why did we go to church? She said, because well, that's what we're supposed to do. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just like, you know, it was just like we did it. It was like this religious thing we did. And I don't know for some of you if it was the same, same thing for you. But then when I began to really hear the gospel message and hear it preach and what Jesus Christ came to do, and when, when I came and I bowed my heart to Jesus Christ, not only did I hear it, but it changed me. 
It, it changed the way I lived. And not that, not that, how many you know, not that you live a perfect life or you don't make mistakes, but all of a sudden you begin to think differently. What, what you used to do or what you used to think about, all of a sudden it begins to change. And I think that's why it's so imperative for us to be studious in our study of God's word and our pursuit of Jesus Christ and knowing him. Not, not, just, not just digesting a bunch of Bible verses. And it's so important for us to, to read the word of God, to understand and to study the word of God. That, that's, that's vital. But it's so imperative for us to apply it to our life so that we live it out. See, Jesus just didn't come to give you more information. Jesus didn't come just to make you a better person. Jesus didn't come to be an add-on in your life to all the other things that we do. Jesus came to set up rule and reign in our hearts and our lives, which our response needs to be complete obedience. Because if he did come as Messiah, and if he is the king of kings, and that's the good news, then we need to bow to that. And we need to bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ and let him have rule and reign in our hearts. And how many know, that's not easy in my heart. I'm just, I'm going to point to me. Because I want to rule my heart. I want to do what I want to do. But Jesus loves us so much. He's willing to give his life for you and I. And then we bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He changes everything. So Jesus Christ does not disappoint. He gives us a new reason for why we're here, why, why we, we live for him. And he, so with all the other clamor that goes on in our world today, isn't there so much ah, stuff? Oh, just so many media outlets and social media, and there's so many things vying for your attention. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear his word so we can cut through all the clatter and know what God wants. Jesus is still on his throne and he wants to be on the throne of our hearts and our lives. And so that's why the good news is such good news is because it changes everything about your life. That doesn't mean your life is going to be easier. That doesn't mean everything is going to be potpourri and, you know, singing in the rain. But what it does mean is that we have a new sense of why we're here and what our direction is, and why God has called us. It changes everything. And I want to give you just a couple passages here in the New Testament of why Jesus is this Messiah and what he came to do. I I love what this passage in Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appears to to Joseph in a dream, and I I want you to see what the angel says to the Lord. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And listen to what, how the angel characterizes uh, Jesus. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he'll do what? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's the good news. So the name Jesus in in the Greek is, is a form for the name Joshua or Yahshua, which means the Lord saves. So the name Joshua is where we get this form in the Greek for the name Jesus. Let me read to you Luke chapter 2 as uh, the angel speaks to the shepherd about the person of Jesus. It says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you what? There it is. Good news, glad tidings that will cause great joy for some people. 
No, what does it say? It's for all of us, for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And, and who is he? He is what? The Messiah, the Lord. Without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus would be the Messiah that was prophesied about for thousands of years. So the angel is saying, he is the one you're looking for. Now, now this is going to be hard. This good news, as they said in the video, I thought was excellent, is difficult for some people to hear this because they're looking for what type of Messiah? Well, they're looking for a Messiah that's going to overthrow the political tyranny that's going on in their life. They thought they're going to, the Messiah is going to come. He's going to set up his rule and reign and we're all going to reign with him and it's going to overthrow all the evil dictators around them, right? But that's not the purpose of Jesus' first coming. His purpose was to deal with our greatest need. And our greatest problem is our sin. That's why Jesus came the first time. And so many of the Psalms, as we're going to dig into in the next couple of weeks, speak of the Messiah coming to earth and how the events were fulfilled in Jesus' life. In fact, one out of six Psalms speak of the Messiah. In the New Testament, 11 of the books quote these messianic Psalms. That's why it's so important. In fact, the title Messiah means anointed one or chosen one in the Hebrew language. When you look in the Greek language, in the original language that the New Testament was written in, we have the word Christo, or in English, Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay, just want to make sure we understand that. It's, they would say Jesus from Nazareth, or Barden from Arundaquay. That's where I was raised in Arundaquay, okay? So you didn't have the last name. It would be your first name, and then where you're from. Oh, there's Barden from Arundaquoit, the Bardens from Arundaquoit, right? It, but, but I want you to understand when Jesus is called Christ, that is his title. Jesus Christ is his title. He is the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, as we see in the Hebrew language. There's an interesting story of after Jesus' resurrection, after his crucifixion and his resurrection, there's these two men who are leaving Jerusalem. They're kind of disappointed. They're like, yeah, we heard about this Messiah and basically all he did was die on a cross and that's it. And they're, they're, walking, they're walking away from Jerusalem and they're kind of disappointed. And so Jesus meets up with these two guys to kind of straighten them out, um, to kind of talk to them. And so their eyes are, are blinded to who Jesus is. And so Jesus has this conversation with these two disappointed people who thought differently of what the Messiah would come to do. And I want to read the story for you. It's found in Luke chapter 24. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says to them. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. Capish? You know, are you stunat? Did you not? Did you not get what the Messiah was supposed to do? He says, You foolish people. So he begins to explain to them. He says, you find, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in scriptures. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus, what he does here is he takes them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So what Jesus does with these two men is he, he stops and then he explains to them all the prophetic scriptures and what Moses taught and explained to them, this is what the Messiah would first 
come to do. He would be a suffering Messiah because he would have to die for the sins of his people. And so Jesus tells these men how he fulfilled Scripture. So in the Psalms alone, there are close to 70 clear references to Christ as the Messiah. Jesus coming to earth and why he came. And we understand that Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission. His purpose was to come and seek and save that which was lost. And I I believe one of the hardest things for us to come to the realization is that we're lost. Because the, the proclivity of my heart is to want to feel like I'm always in control. The proclivity of my heart is to say, I can figure this out. The proclivity of our heart is to say, I don't need a savior. I, I can do this myself. I, I want a religious system where I can put a little work in and then God can put a little work in. But I don't want one that I have to completely relinquish myself to the authority of Christ. I think, I think, that's, I think that's the hardest decision we make as followers or to come to Christ Jesus is we have to relinquish control. Do, do, how many remember that saying? There used to be like, bumper stickers that said, you know, like, God is my co-pilot. How many remember those? God is my, my co-pilot. It's, no, God is the pilot. You, 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 Jesus, take the wheel. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I give you a little bit, and then I'm, I'm in control too. It's like, no, I, I give you everything. And I think that's the, the, the condition of the human heart is that it's, it's trying to realize that we really are lost and, and we need to be found and we need to be rescued and, and what God does is he does everything to reach us in our lost state. The, the Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Hey, have you ever lost something and it drove you crazy because you just couldn't find it? Like, you know, l- l- let's talk about the important things we lose, okay? If, if you lose your phone, it's like death has entered your house, right? You're like, you're like, what am I going to do? And I remember one time I lost my phone and my phone is, 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 is black and it fell in between our car seats where everything is black in our car and it fell between the, and it just camouflaged perfectly in there. And I'm going crazy. And of course, of course my phone wasn't on. So I said, Kathleen, can you call my phone? I usually have the ringer on. So the ringer's not on. And I'm, I spent like an hour looking around. You know, then you go, well, where were you last? Where were you last? You don't think I haven't thought about that over the last hour where I was left? Just backtrack everything you did before that and you will find, you know, you're looking through the cushion seat, cushions in the couch, you're looking all over. And so finally, I, go, I, I know it's in my car. So finally, after like five hours, I said, maybe if I used a flashlight, that might be a good idea. I use a flashlight. And sure enough, I used the flashlight and then I, I finally found my phone. What, what, have ever, you ever done this where you're like, you're looking for your sunglasses and they're on your head? Okay, there's more than one of you out there. Okay, come on. Admit it with me. Or, or your car keys, right? And then you find them there in your pocket the whole time. You're looking, where are my car keys? Where are my car keys? We've all been there. But we'll do, listen, if it's important, we're going we're gonna to drop everything, aren't we? To look for it. And that's what God does for us. He does everything to reach us in our lost state because of his love. And that's what Jesus comes. He comes to reach us because we're lost and we need a Savior. I want to read this psalm for you and as we close. I just want to read, read this, this psalm for you that talks about God's great love for us and how God chose this time 
to, to send his son and how God throughout every generation had a plan that, that he would put in, in, in plan and that, that he would use to, to show us that the son would come, that this Messiah would come and he would do it through his great love and how God would fulfill his covenant with us. So listen to Psalms 89 verses one through four. I love this. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. And so by God, this, this psalm is a complete fulfillment. Jesus is a fulfillment of this psalm where he completes that Messiahship. That God would use Jesus to establish his throne. And we know that Jesus' second coming, his second advent, he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. This psalm gives us hope that the Messiah would come from the line of David, which would be fulfilled in Christ Jesus and fulfill all the promises of God that are fulfilled in Christ Jesus for you and I. This psalm brings us hope because God is faithful to fulfill his promises even amid hardships. When life doesn't make sense, when things aren't going our way, God is faithful to his promises. And listen, when you get discouraged, and I know it's easy to get discouraged with the world we're living in today. When you get discouraged, I want, this is why it's so important for us to point to Jesus during this time as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. When you get discouraged, look to Jesus. He fulfilled the promises of God. Jesus is a fulfillment of that messiahship that would come to rescue you and I. And our hope is not in wishful thinking, I hope this works out, or I hope this happens. Our hope is in, solid, is in the solid evidence that Jesus is who he says he is because he fulfilled all Old Testament scriptures concerning himself and we can trust him with our very life. So I want you to know this, that Jesus came as Messiah and he fulfilled the promise of God that his love would stand forever. God has not forgotten about us. He has not overlooked us. And so we can look to the Son and we can look, we can look to Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of God's promises concerning this Messiah that would come to rescue us and deliver us from our sins. So, where are you today? Where, where are you today? What, what, are you, what are you struggling with today? Um, you know, I want you to know that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But I just want to ask you a question today. Where is Jesus in your heart today? Where is he in your life today? Jesus just doesn't want to be some secondary thing in your life. He wants to be everything to you. He wants to be the focal point of your life. And that's where the joy comes. 
that's where the peace comes. That doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect. We're not going to have problems or things aren't going to work out the way that we want them to work out. But is Jesus, is he Messiah to you? Is he Lord to you? And I, I want us just to focus our attention on how wonderful Jesus is and what he accomplished for you and I. Maybe you're just lacking that joy in your life. And I'm not saying to manufacture some fake joy because you may be going through a really difficult time and I don't want to say that, oh, just fake it till you make it or whatever, (laughs) right? I don't want to tell that to you because that's not being honest. But I do want to tell you that there's a joy in knowing that your heart is right before Christ and that he is for you and that you can come to him and you can give him all your requests and all your needs and all your shortcomings. And we will and we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. That's the Savior we serve. He's not going to cast you out. He's not going to stiff arm you. He's going to receive you. And that's where you find forgiveness and grace and mercy in the presence of Christ. In the presence of Christ. So here's here's what I would encourage you today. Find yourself in the presence of Christ. As you do your Bible studies, as you listen to Pastor Brandon and I's wonderful devotions every morning until Christmas morning, um, all those things, do all those things, it's great. But can I just encourage you today to just take a moment and just sit in God's presence and let him just speak to you. Just sit in God's presence for just a moment and just say, Jesus, I just love you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Just thank him and just sit in his presence and just tell Jesus that you love him, that you're grateful for him, for all he's done for you. Just allow his presence and his joy to fill your heart and your life. Amen. He's so good and he's so faithful to meet us. He's such a perfect savior in every way. So Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, we see through scripture that there is no doubt that you are Messiah. Jesus, you came to rescue us, but not just rescue us from our sins, which that was our greatest need, but you came to have a relationship with us. You didn't come to bring another religious form, another religion. You actually came You dwelled on earth. You lived among our messiness. But you desire to have a relationship with us. Jesus, forgive us when we ignore you or we forget who you are and what you've done in our lives. And I pray that we would just take a moment during our day just to stop and reflect on who you are and what a wonderful Savior you are. With all the stuff going in our life, God, I I know that your presence is vital. A moment in your presence changes everything. It gives us a different perspective. It gives us peace and joy that that we're not going to find by listening to the news channels. So, Jesus, we need you. And we thank you that you are available to us all the time. And so, Lord, may we just stop and reflect on how wonderful you are and what a perfect Messiah you are. So continue to prepare our hearts as we think of you and we keep our attention and our thoughts on you 
and all you've done for us. We love you. We thank you. And and you're just so perfect in every way. We just ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.